Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Amazing Mets Podcast. Today, we will have right-handed pitching prospect Stefan Veline, along with our top five favorite Mets players, and cover the latest off-season news and rumors. Welcome to the Amazing Mets podcast today. Uh, today, uh, we will not be joined with John until a little bit later. He's a little bit late today. Uh, right now, you're hearing Jake, the owner of the first 162, big Mets fan. And we we are joined by um, a co-Mets fan who will be filling in for John until he gets in. We have Andrew of um, at uh, Mets. How you doing, Andrew? Good. How are you? Good. So I'm just going to give you a, a few questions because, I mean, I think as a Mets fan, one of the best things about being a Mets fan is, is we have a great community. We have a very community. So it's it's great to hear from other Mets fans and learn a little bit more about them. Yeah. Yeah, so um, last season, I mean, it wasn't the greatest season for us, but how how often did you get out to City Field? Um, I got I was there the uh, second game. I think Degrom pitched against the Cardinals, and I think they won, but I can't be sure. And then I it was a really busy year for my family, so I couldn't make it out until the David Wright game. We went to that, and it was a great experience that game. Yeah, yeah, I was there too. I mean, I think that game was was insane it was something out of the movies i mean i was right on the third baseline um and and when they pulled him out in third i'm pretty sure it was the third yeah it was the third pulled him out and he sort of just hugged jose reyes and that's his view i mean i'm 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 a man but i cried i'm gonna i'm gonna have to say it that pushed me a little bit all right so we are going to cut that a little bit short and we're going to move into our um, interview for today. Uh, we're going to be having Stefan Veline, um, one of our right-handed pitching prospects. Welcome, Stefan. Hey, how you doing, man? Good to, have, good to uh, be talking with you. How's everything going? Good. How are you? Doing good, doing good. <clears throat> How's your off-season been so far? Uh, off-season been great. The holiday season was good. It's... Uh... It went by a little quick, but always happy to be uh, getting back to work and spring trains coming around the corner here. Of course, you get to live the dream. Uh, so oh, yeah. we're, we're going to start uh, with the with a few questions. Um, usually, John and I go back and forth, but it's it's going to be just me and you. So here we go. So my first question for you is: um, coming out of Kansas Kansas University, you were a top reliever among the whole entire class. Uh, have you always had that passion to be a reliever? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jayhawk pride. Uh, loved playing in the Big 12. It was awesome. Uh, the competition was uh, off the charts there. All the guys that went through with uh, my four years being there. 
Uh, I would say with my arm slot, I've kind of always played a, a reliever role. Uh, maybe beginning of high school, I started a couple games, but as competition started to rise, uh, definitely the, the reliever form took over and uh, just kind of rolled with it. Bad uh, about your time in Kansas. What do you think, I mean, obviously the Big 12 is, is, a, is a crazy division to be playing in. What do you think is one of the biggest things that you took um, from playing there within those teams? I mean, some of the, some of the greatest teams in the NCAA. Um, what do you think you took from playing against those teams? Uh, yeah, I mean, as I said, the amount of talent level that went through every team at Big 12 was crazy. Um, probably just playing in those atmospheres when you're playing at Texas or Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, all those big schools, Texas Tech. Uh, playing in that atmosphere, you got crowds uh, yelling at you, saying anything. Uh, so kind of just that helps you prepare, and you got to learn how to block that out, and you got a task at hand. And it helps you uh, kind of just get prepared for what I've faced going through the minors so far. Yeah, I mean that's that's really interesting. A lot of people take for granted the the, the people side of it. The fact that I mean, you you a lot of players act like they don't hear you, but for sure you definitely hear some of the things that people are yelling at you. So uh, I think that's a really important thing to have learned at such an early age. Um, let's move forward a little bit in time. So after being drafted in 2017. You have already skyrocketed to Double A by the end of 2018. So why do you why do you feel, in your opinion, that you moved up the ranks in the Met system so quickly? Oh, well, I mean, first you gotta you gotta look at the coaching staff that the Mets have provided. At every every level, the the guy has a different tip, different uh, experience, advice to give me. So uh, it really starts with those guys and just kind of picking their brains. Uh, also talking to other players that you come across and talking to them on how they deal with certain uh, aspects of the game at that level. Uh, so that's definitely a big part. And uh, I'd say just throwing sidearm definitely helps. It's a different look. Uh, talking to some <laughs> other hitters, uh, they, they said it makes them feel a little uncomfortable sometimes, hard to pick up. So uh, just, I try to go in there with a bunch of confidence and uh, just kind of, throw my game, not try to do anything too special, and stick to my strengths. Yeah, so let's, let's build off that pitching motion a little bit because it's obviously a very unique part of your game, and it's something um, that that dignifies you from, from every other player. So mm-hmm. when when did you start throwing like that, and, and was there a specific reason? Uh, I mean, honestly, I was, I was no good over the top. But uh, <laughs> um, kind of when I was younger, I was three, like three quarters. Um, and then as I started grinding my body, started kind of realizing the direction my career was going to go, I had to make some changes. So got to college and messed around with a couple things. Uh, the arm motion just feels, uh, very, very natural for me. And I just kind of worked with the coaches there and it kind of took off and I was able to find an arm slot that I really liked. Is so like out of curiosity because I, I mean I, I also play baseball and I'm playing baseball in high school. What what about it throwing overarm at least? What what about it feels unnatural? Honestly, uh, me I, I couldn't even uh, couldn't really tell you specifically. It's just uh, that motion. It just didn't register as well in my head, and uh, you just as you get the ball, you pick it up and 
your arm kind of does what it, what it wants to do, and uh, mine happened to be on the side. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit more on that. So is there any way that you – I mean, obviously – baseball is a team sport, so you can see how your fellow pitchers work out and stuff. Is there anything that you do differently because of the way that you throw the ball, or is it sort of all the same thing and it sort of just all falls together? Uh, I would say for the most part it falls together. Uh, there's definitely some exercises maybe if something's going over my head a little too much or I feel something weird. You just got to be vocal and you got to uh, tell your strength coach, pitching coach, anybody who's around if uh, it's not feeling right. You're uh, kind of the only person who's going to be able to know how your body's feeling. So I'd say uh, just communicate if it's not feeling right, but for the most part, just go about it as the normal pitcher. Move forward in time a little bit more. Um, so this year you were actually invited to spring training as a non-roster invitee. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Um, is there anyone going into Florida, is there anyone um, that you're excited to meet that you haven't been able to meet and play with yet? Oh, I mean, the whole Major League roster is uh, full of a bunch of talented guys, big-name guys. So uh, I'm I'm going to try to go in more being a, a player and not too much of a fan, but definitely as some of those big-name guys walk by, you're going to be a little excited just to be in the same room as them. Um, <laughs> okay. so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm more uh, – Excited to see how they go about their daily process and how they prepare uh, when they get on the mound. All righty. And then just a little bit more on that. Um, have you talked to anyone specifically yet about what your game plan going into Florida is, um, specifically how they're going to use you and uh, what they're looking to get out of you? Um, I, w- I wouldn't say any details like that yet. Uh, definitely as uh, we get into the early stages and we have meetings and I've already been told we'll, we'll be going over all those uh, important details. So for now, it's just prepare and make sure your arm's in, in shape and you're ready to go and compete. All righty. Uh, so let, let's kick it. We're getting towards the end of the interview. So let's talk about um, just some more fun stuff about the game. So is there anyone that you've ever pitched against that stands out to you as like a, a crazy batter to try and get out? And it just stands out, someone that – just a name that you, you remember facing and being like, oh, God. Um, man, I'm trying to uh, – I'm going to forget his first name, but he's with the Reds, Trammell. I believe he's like their third prospect oh, yeah. overall. Um, he was actually just yeah. voted, um by Baseball America to be the number two prospect, so I, I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, no, yeah, we, we faced him a couple times. Uh, it's just seeing how that guy plays the game. I mean, he goes about it right. Uh, you see his swing. It's super nice, great pass. Uh, I know he's super young, so it's only going to get better from here, which is pretty scary uh, from a pitcher's <laughs> perspective. But, yeah, I mean, I'd say he, he's put himself at a pretty elite level and um, probably one of the top guys that I've played against. All righty. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a cool answer. I like that one. Um what is something that no one can look up uh, about you on Google right now? <laughs> that no one can look up about me? Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, you, you might see I know social hard media, one. but I guess you can't look it up. But uh, I got three dogs back at home living with mom and dad. So that's pretty cool. I'm a pretty big dog fan. How many, uh, what kind of dogs do you have? Uh, we got gold retrievers and Pomeranians. 
So, big and small. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, and then to finish it off, we're going to do a few uh, just fast fire questions. So, what 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 is your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Uh, we'll go Donnie Darko. Oh, okay, interesting one. Um, let's go favorite food. <sighs> Hamburgers. Okay, solid. Uh, favorite team growing up? I gotta say, it, Yankees. Unfortunately. Wow. I know. All right, hey. man. We're gonna end the interview here. No. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, it is what it is. I mean, you, you've you've joined the the little brothers, but this, this year, the get ready for it. Um, we're yeah, and, we're, we're making some good moves, man. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for this year. I'll tell you that much. Um. So what? Well, and then obviously, well, who was your favorite player growing up? Favorite player? Um. I mean, definitely a uh, King Griffey Jr. My younger days, and then. Uh, you got to go with the the Jeters of the world too. Yeah, I mean, even even as a Mets fan, I mean, I've lived in New York my whole life. I I think Jeter is just someone that even as a Mets fan who's taken all the abuse that a Mets fan can get, I think Jeter is just someone that I look up to personally. Yeah. No, it's all it's all about how they go about the game for me. The the uniform way for from it, the player themselves. Uh, King Griffey Jr. I mean, he played so relaxed. So it was a still a fun game for him. I try to take that aspect, and then also just uh, how professional both of those guys were too is uh, good role models. For sure, for sure, and that's that's a that's a huge part of the game. Um, all right, well, I, I wanted to thank you for coming on. This was an awesome interview. Um, you're a really cool guy, and I, I appreciate you. Awesome, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me, and uh, have a good night, man. All right, you too. We'll see you all after the break. What is up, guys? Eddie Yellen here, featuring my new Mets account, New York Mets 69, featuring team status, team wins, team updates, and team scores overall. We also have live Q&As weekly that feature other teams than the Mets. So far, we've had a Yankees Q&A, and a Mets Q&A. Tonight we're having a Phillies Q&A at 4.40 p.m. Eastern Time. So be sure to follow New York Mets. Greetings, Diamondbacks Nation. This is Blake, your co-host for the Rattle Up Podcast. And we invite you to join our show Friday at 8 Eastern Time, 6 Mountain Time. D-backs pitching prospect Matt Tabor joins the show to to take questions about his, his time with the Diamondbacks, what his goals are for 2019, and baseball in general. We will also discuss how baseball's economy does not have a problem and is actually growing as compared to other falling leagues like the NFL and the NHL and as to why that is. Come join Chris and Blake this Friday, 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain Time. That is this Friday, 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain Time for an interview with D-backs prospect Matt Tabor. See you there. Alrighty, so we're back from the ad. Uh, Andrew, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, You were awesome. And, uh, John, you're back. Am I on? Yeah, you are. <laughs> awesome. Um, sorry about the delay, everybody. Um, I had a few things that I had to take care of, but I'm glad to be on. I listened to part of the Stephen um, Villainous uh, interview. I thought it was fantastic. I thought you did a great job, Jake. 
Thank you, Jake and Andrew, for um, holding down the fort while I was gone. Glad to be back on. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, that's no excuse for you. We are going straight into off-season news. First, we're gonna we're gonna let's just take a let's take a call. Uh, we're gonna take a All call right. from Tim from New Jersey who wants to talk about the off-season as well. Hey guys. What's going hey, on, how's Tim? Going, Tim? It's Tim from Met Station here, and um, my question is: How do you guys think Brody Brandwagon has done this all season? You want to take this first, Jake, or do you want me to go? Go for it. You, you haven't talked off podcast. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to get into a rant either now or later, but um, about it's not about Brody, but Brody has done all that he can. I in in my mind, I think I think he's done all that he can to. Um, put the Mets in the position to win with the current budgetary constraints. So I'd rate him here. I'd, I'd give him about an A minus B plus, something around there. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's brought in talent uh, under the budgetary constraints that were given to him by the Wilpons. And um, he was able to go out there and get all-star talent and bring it in here at decent prices um, despite giving up Jared Kellenick or giving up a you know, a couple other prospects in that deal. Definitely. He brought in one of the best closers in the game. Um, mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, done a very good job. Um, now, it's a different story with our owners, who I'll get into a little bit, but answering your question there, that's what I think. All right. I have a tag-on <laughs> question. Do you think there's anything left in our off-season plans that uh, we could do? I mean, well, I'll take this. Yeah. Um if you would ask me a few days ago, I would have said, oh, we can sign Nick Markakis for $6 million. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it's now it just seems like, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like that was a huge loss for us. Uh, obviously, I, I read a few things saying that he wanted to go to the Braves, but mm-hmm. um, and, and had more money from other places as well, even the Marlins, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, pretty but, yeah, I, just, I needed to blurt that out and get that off my chest. I think so far, I mean – for sure, it's just going to be depth from here on out. If there is anything, I, I don't think there's going to be anything really big unless the prices do shoot down like they're supposed to. Yep. The problem The problem here is that um, we should be getting a couple more pieces because this is not a finished product by any means, especially in the division we are in right now. The current division we're in right now is one of the most competitive divisions in the league. If we were in the division with, let's say, Let's say replace the Dodgers in the NL West right now. That's a pretty weak division right now. So I'd say, you know what, let's stand pat. But this is a division that's very competitive. We need to add a couple more pieces, whether it be in the outfield and center field, whether it be a reliever to hold down that seventh inning, whether it be um, somebody to replace Vargas as a starting pitcher because he is unreliable. Those are the facts. And those are things that aren't going to be done through depth options because – our owners don't want to spend more than $155 million. Yeah, yeah. I agree on that. Did, did you all see the tweet? $155 million, yeah. Did you see the tweet Jeff Wilpon said, um, there's not many yeah. teams that have $30 million of players. And then, meanwhile, our um, division rival, the Nationals, have two. They have Once these calls eight. are done, a rant is coming from me, but, um, you know, I, I completely understand where you're coming from here. And, you know, it's it's um, 
it, it's annoying. But we do have a pretty good team that can win the division. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't mm-hmm. expect us to win the division, but we could do it. It'll be a pretty hard uh, task to get the wild card as the Central is very competitive this year, too. So yeah. uh, I think um, winning the division is our only real hope. Or getting into the wild card. I mean, it's for me, it's either playoffs or bust with this roster. You know, thank you for your call. I really appreciated it. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. So, um, I mean, uh, Jake, do you want to go to the next caller? Yeah, sure. Let's tag this next caller, and then I'm hearing a, a storm brewing with inside of you, so I think we should get that out soon. Um, our next caller is Persephone <laughs> from, from England, who also wants to talk about the offseason and trades. Hello. Hi there. Hey, Persephone. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, I'd like to talk about the Good. offseason and trade, please. So, like, yeah, sure. I don't really, know how, I don't really know how to start this off, but uh, like, do you think like the Mets will like will make it to the playoffs and like cop like the win this year? Hopefully. Um, I mean, oh, I'll take this one. So, I I'd like to oh, think okay. that we we could get to the playoffs this year. I mean, I I'd like to think that the idea of of all these moving parts. Uh, the, the thing with a lot of moving parts is that one gear doesn't work and, and it falls apart. But I mean, with the, with all all of us, uh, all the Mets players playing to their full potential and playing to their full roles, I mean, I think that we're mm. potentially a very good playoff team. Hmm. Okay. Um, all right. Um, and Persephone, and, thank, thank you for your course. Oh, um, do you have another uh, point to make? Um, All right, Stephanie is gone. It's gone. Okay. Um, so call in number is eight four five two seven seven nine three four five. Call in if you want to talk Mets. Here comes the rant. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this off my chest now. We have a couple minutes. Um, I'm gonna get it done real quickly. Don't worry. Um, so <laughs> here's the thing that came out today. Today, it came out. First off, the only reason they were pressed on this was because of Ken Rosenthal's um, article. And whenever press goes pretty hard on the Mets, they get all defensive, the Mets front office and the Mets, um, uh, Will, the Wilpons, our owners more specifically, get very defensive. And, you know, the front office usually tries to shield that. But then the, the, the Wilpons usually say something really stupid. And they said something really, really stupid today, um, Jeff Wilpon. He said something that is awful. And, you know, there are teams – there was somebody who was comparing before on my – I was talking to him on my Instagram, and he was comparing um, what the Wilpon said today about the budget to um, – in respect to them saying Cespedes and Kanoa being paid $30 million this year, which is untrue, to um, Brett Gardner um, – being the Yankees outfielder instead of Bryce Harper. That is nothing. Listen, that's because they don't want to spend the money on Bryce Harper, but it's not like they're actually fudging the numbers like the Mets are doing, like the Wilpons are doing. They're lying to the Mets fan base about how much money they are paying these guys in, in their contracts. Cespedes contract is not 30 million a year. It is much less with 
than that because he's going to miss a lot of time this year. He's not going to be back until after the All-Star break, which means he's going to get paid about $20 million. Um, well, he's going to get paid $30 million, the amount, but he's not going to um, – the Wilpons aren't going to have to pay him the $30 million. Now, for Cano, Cano's not getting $30 million for a couple of years here. So they're lying. They're lying about these numbers to the fan base. And you know what? Let me give them a team who has two guys in their rotation who they're paying $30 million plus for. The Washington Nationals are paying Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer $30 million each. It's like 36 37 for both of them. So I don't want to hear this bullshit when they're not even paying that amount for them this year. They're currently at one fifty-five, five million. They are forty million under the luxury tax, and they could easily bring in Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, but they don't want to take the money out of their pockets. That is exactly the situation here. They're not willing to do it. They're not willing to put a World Series team on the field when they could do that. Do they, do they realize how much money? How much? Primetime television, how much attention this team would get if they were to bring in Bryce Harper. Do they realize that it would put us right in as the top in the NL East? They want to say, come and get us. We're the NL East number one. They go get fucking Bryce Harper. Come on. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. We want to talk all this crap to the other teams in the NL East when we're, you know, we're putting a pretty good team on the field, but it's not the best by far, if we put we got a superstar in this lineup like Bryce Harper, then it is. Then it is because he's just that type of production. He brings that type of production, 100 RBIs, 30 home runs, that on-base percentage, that, that, that charisma. We don't have that on this team right now, and I think it's well worth it. And he's 26. We could have this for a decade. We could have this for a decade. Sure, he'll probably regress, but listen, he's a superstar. He's 26. This is not like we're signing Albert Pujols when he's 32 years old. Not even close. So I think that's all I wanted to say um, as far as that goes. I think I got everything yeah. out, but after I saw everything today, I just needed to say that. And I'm glad I got the opportunity to say it today. Yeah, I mean uh... – I completely concur. I know sometimes I sound like I'm sort of just a total optimist, which I try to be because, I mean, to be the underdog and also be a little bit depressive. But, I mean, everything you're saying is completely correct. There's no reason that we shouldn't um, mm-hmm. be putting out the the, the team that we, pro- that we are promised to see. Um, Jake, uh, just to, Jake I, I'm, yeah. I'm completely an optimist too, but I don't like being lied to, man. I really don't. I don't like yeah, when they true. lie to us, and Honestly. that's what they did today. They lied to the fan base, and I'm tired of it. I want transparency. If you're going to be cheap, tell us you're going to be cheap, like the Pirates do. Yeah, I mean – No disrespect, yeah. Benson. <laughs> what, I, what I was going to say – I mean, we're, we're going to go into the break soon, but what I was going to say is I was listening to Effectively Wild, which is a, another podcast uh, that I totally recommend. It's a great podcast, but they were talking about how – a lot of the teams, the reason this uh, this offseason has been so slow, and we're not the only team that's being cheap. I mean, it just is what it is. We're just a little bit 
uh, you're saying exactly the truth, being lied to. Essentially, the reason this offseason has been so slow is because uh, a lot of owners are paying more attention to what brings in revenue rather than what brings in wins. Um, and names like – that sort of fits our mold almost completely. I mean, names like Robinson Cano, names like David Wright's last game, that's going to bring revenue. Um, it won't necessarily get us a win. I mean, we, we – that David Wright game went how many innings? It, it didn't bring us anything – it didn't bring us any – I mean, obviously, it was the end of the year. My point is is that they would rather create revenue than create wins. Um, even right, though yep. wins um, time is revenue. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to go into the ad. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about our top five players. Hey, guys, this is Benson from Buckley Booth, also producer here on this show. I just want to make sure you tune into a very special episode this Saturday. It's going to be at 8 a.m. We're going to be live from Pirates Fest at PNC Park. So if you're in the Pittsburgh area, head down to PNC Park. We're going to be in the parking lot right across the stadium broadcasting live. It's going to be a three-hour special episode. We're going to have Dunkin' Donuts there, a couple dozen donuts. We're going to have some coffee. So come by. Check us out. If you, if you can listen live, though, we're going to be talking 2018 recap of the season. We're going to go through the entire season um, and recap that. I'm going to do a 2018 awards. We're going to look at the offseason so far, the moves that have been made, and analyze those. Now we're going to look forward to 2019 and make our predictions for the 2019 roster and how that will shape up as long as our record and division plus World Series predictions. You don't want to miss it. PNC Park, Buckley Booth, 8 to 11 a.m. this Saturday. We'll see. All right, and we're going to, before we do top five players for each of us, um, we're going to go to Brady from Florida. Welcome to the show, Brady. What's up, boys? What's going on? Um, glad to have uh, you on. I was, recently um, in the, I was recently in the Parkland shooting, as you heard. Yeah. All right, yeah, let's take him off. Um, um, that right. must have been somebody impersonating Brady, who um, owns uh, Met News. Uh, that's really... Uh, unfortunate um, to make light out of a uh, situation like that. Um, But, you know, it's going to happen. Listen, we – I'm good friends with Brady. Um, I think it's ridiculous that anybody would come on and impersonate him and try to make fun of him. Um, I'm sure I'll never figure out who that is, but you're scum. You're scum, and that's all that's there to it, all right? So let's go on to our – uh, top five um, players. You could uh, start with that, Jake. All righty. Yeah, let's, let's create a little, a little bit of a lighter note. Let's let's forget about that. Um, so first in my top five, I'm going to have to go with Ahmed Rosario. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of him. He had an amazing second half. I, I've been a fan of him since we uh, – actually, yeah, since we signed him. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what he does this year. I think he's going to be – Honestly, I mean, one of one of my biggest predictions is he's going to be a, a huge part of this year, whether it's from the eighth spot or the ninth spot, or even if he gets into the leadoff spot at some point. So, yeah, number 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 five is Rosario for me. All right, for me, I'm going to go with Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler is an electric option in the starting pitching rotation. He is, you know, just 
one of the uh, he was also he had a great second half last year. He had a Cy Young second half if you look at it. Really, really good um pitcher last year. It was a little bit bumpy in the first half, but he really showed who he is in that second half and I I fully expect him to have a very good season this year. Gonna have to give him a contract extension I think because he's just that type of pitcher now, uh finally, uh in my opinion. So that's number five for me. All right. Um, and number four, I'm going to go to my number four. So uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say my number four is Noah Syndergaard. Um, I've met him a few times. Uh, just actually randomly, I met him when I went to um, the Mets uh, against the Red Sox in Boston, actually. So um, that that was a really cool experience. He's he's always been a cool guy the past uh, few times I've met him. Um, he also is just I mean he has that personality. The the, mm. the cocky personality that a team needs, and uh, I appreciate that. So yeah, num- my number four is Noah Syndergaard. All right, um, uh, my number four is going to be Michael Conforto. This guy, this guy is a very, very, very good hitter. Um, I know he struggled early last season, but he really showed in the second half what type of hitter he can be. He also showed in 2017 before that freak injury what type of hitter he can be. This is a guy who's going to be an anchor in this lineup for the next couple of years, and I fully expect him to break out next year and have a really, really good season for the Mets. Um, who knows? Maybe he could be in some sort of MVP conversation one day. I think his bat's got that capability, and um, if he's playing um, left field or center, uh, left field or right field, um, those are his spots, especially even right field. Um, he can really corral that uh, defense as well. He's had some really good uh, moments out in the outfield as well. So that's my number four, Michael Conforto. All righty. Uh, we're going to go to number three. So my number three is going to have to stick at uh, Jacob deGrom, last year's Cy Young. Um, I mean, he he only falls to number three for me just because I, I'm a big fan of hitters. I'm a, I'm a much – I mean, I love – I think pitchers are an essential part of the game, but I think hitters are, are just someone uh, – I have – much more enjoyment watching a hitter than I do um, a pitcher. So I, I think DeGrom, mm. honestly, is my favorite pitcher, but he, he has to fall to number three for me. Um, I, obviously, he's one of the best pitchers in the game right now, and, and I think he's going to continue that success. Um, so, yeah, that's my number three. All right, my number three is Edwin Diaz. Now, you know, you watch this from Mariner's standpoint from last year. This is a guy with an electric arm. He just puts down hitters really quickly, um, gets it done. You can see why he's one of the best closers in the game. I'm watching these um, these videos he, as he prepares for the season. He's got a live arm. It's really, really good to watch. I can't wait to see that out of the ninth inning next year. Um, he, he also brings a poise and a charisma to the, the game that, you know, um, you know, reminds me sort of of how Jenry Mejia would um, finish uh, closing games. Say what you want about Mejia, but he was passionate. He was um, he was electric, and he let everybody know it. So that's my number three, Edwin Diaz. Can't wait to see him pitching a Mets uniform next year. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I think Edwin is amazing, and watching those videos. On, on his Instagram, his personal Instagram, watching him work out and stuff. I mean, he seems very excited. Um, I watched his first bullpen the other day, which was 
I mean, it's crazy that that was his first bullpen. I can't believe what he's going to do in, in spring training alone. Um, so I'm going to move to my number two. My number two is Brandon Nimmo. I mean, this, this guy, it, he sort of came out of nowhere um, for almost everyone outside of, of being a Mets fan, from, from what I've heard. I mean, no one knew his name, and all of a sudden he was just this huge, huge name that everyone wanted to talk about. So, um, like, sheerly out of proudness, the fact that he, he's come out of nowhere and, and become a top uh, right fielder, maybe somewhere else this year, but top right fielder at least last year. I mean, it, it's very exciting, especially because, I mean, I, I think both of us agree that the more passion and the more care you have about the game, the more the fans are going to like you. And obviously, Nemo, I mean, this guy can't stop smiling. So seeing seeing someone care about the game that much, it, it, it's very rewarding as a fan um, going to watch them and supporting them. All right. Um, and I love Nemo. He's great. But as you said before, you loved hitting. Uh, the best thing to me is watching a really well-pitched game. And I don't know how many people agree with that. I mean, there's nothing better than a walk-off home run, a uh, grand slam to give the lead. But I, I just love watching pitchers put together great performances. And Noah Syndergaard, he's um, been doing that for um, – the last couple of years with the Mets, he's my number two. Um, he's got electric stuff, almost unhittable stuff. I mean, his sinker that I saw last year was well, – I could compare it to Blake Train and it was that good. And he's got overpowering, uh, fastball, power slider, a great changeup to complement every pitch. I mean, and when he puts it all together, man, it, it, it's, it's, like, it's like a song, honestly. It's really good. And he is – I hope he stays healthy because he's got a lot of uh, um, promise still in that arm. He's got a lot of potential still, and I can see him being a Cy Young candidate any year that he's on the mound because he's just that good. Once he puts it all together, um, the way DeGrom, the way Scherzer, the way all these other greats pitch, um, I think he'll put up stats just as they do. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I'm a, I'm, I am – I mean, I did put him at four, but that's besides the point. I am a huge Noah Syndergaard fan, and uh, I mean, in my mm. if you're coming to my page, I mean, I I uh, voted him to be my way too early um, NL Cy Young next year. So I, I have a lot of confidence in the kid, and and I'm a big fan of him. Um, before we both say our number ones, which I know you all are waiting for, don't forget to go to Stubyard and use code BPN10 for 10% off. Uh, your purchase. Obviously, we have a lot of Mets fans here, and a, uh, a lot of Mets fans would love to go to the games and see us win this year. So it's a great way to get a little bit of a cheaper ticket for yourself. Um, all right, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna say my number one. John is, and then we'll probably get into the ad at that point. Uh, my number one is Michael Conforto. Uh, in my opinion, he is one of the coolest swings in baseball. It's very smooth. It's very compact. I think obviously there's a few things um, that he was doing last season that sort of literally forced him into injury because of the swing, but uh, I think mm. minor tweaks, he, he could have one of the best swings in baseball. Um, let alone that, I think the potential behind him that just hasn't been unlocked yet is insane. I think he he's going to be 
a huge part of this team with, with years to come. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm just a huge Michael Conforto fan. Uh, maybe he I, could be our next, maybe he could be our Bryce Harper. Uh, I, essentially, I mean that's sort of <laughs> my feeling. Uh, I think he at some point he has the potential to be, but there's something holding him back, and I, I hope he finds out what that is and fixes it. But I mean, last year I got a foul ball from him, and geez, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I, I was almost pushed to tears. I was so excited just because of how much I. Uh, <laughs> In the sky, so yeah, Michael Conforto, hundred percent my number one by far. I mean, I don't think anyone can touch him. Maybe Jeff McNeil, but who knows? My number one is Jacob Degrom. The way he pitched last year, it was a season I've never seen before. And this guy consistently goes out there, no matter what the score is, no matter what the situation is, no matter how much pressure is on him, he pitches so well, so efficiently, no matter whether it be the slider down and in, the fastball up at the eye, he gets these guys looking stupid on all these great pitches. He's a very um, formulaic pitcher. He's um, well-structured. He's got a, a velocity with him, too. But he, the way he pitches the game, there's, there's, a, um, there's a method to his madness. It's not like he's just going out there, throwing the fastball like some pitchers do nowadays. He's... he's um, all right, um, I'll throw inside, then I'll go up here, then I'll throw the slider down and inside, I'll backdoor him, you know, I'll get with the changeup. You know, he's he's not just sticking with one thing he's doing. He's got all these different pitches, and he's got um, – he knows how to utilize them efficiently. And that's why he's my number one, one of the best pitching uh, seasons anyone's ever seen last year, and – I think he will continue to do this. They got to lock him up to an extension, in my opinion. Oh, I 100% agree. Uh, I mean, two, two things to add to that. Uh, I did say a little bit earlier that uh, I'd much rather I, I enjoy watching hitters much more. I enjoy watching mm. pitchers when they have multiple ways to get someone out. I mean, I think that is so exciting to see because I I, I feel like watching a pitcher sometimes you sort of know what they're going to do, and even if they have success with it, it, it sort of gets repetitive. Um, but watching Jacob DeGrom last year, I mean, I even in a losing season, I mean, I made the time to watch Jacob DeGrom pitch, which big fan of him. I also wanted to point out, I don't know if, if you noticed this, John, neither of us had Cespedes on our list. Yeah. I mean, at I've, this point, you know, we've done something that the Mets ownership hasn't done to this point, forgotten about him for the first half of the season. And there's a reason for that. You know, he hasn't played consistently the last two years. He's coming off, when he comes back, he'd be coming off um, surgery on his two feet, and he's got to play the field. So how can we completely confide in him when when he can't? Um, he, he, we can't do that, and the Mets have continued to do that by not signing an out, another outfielder, but we haven't. Um, before we go to break, um, I just want to say our call-in number is 845 845- Two seven seven nine three four five. That is eight four five two seven seven nine three four five. You want to call in um, to the show? Um, please call that number, and we'll talk Mets, Mets free agency, Mets trading, etc. All right, and we'll go to the break now. This is Thomas over at the Ivy, and we hope that you'll tune in at nine Eastern time on Sunday night. 
We'll talk about top prospects within the Cubs system, including when we think we'll see them in the majors, a preview of the NL Central, and a few of our own predictions. And don't miss our new edition of Inside the Numbers, where we'll be explaining on-base plus slugging, or also known as OPS plus. We hope to see you on Sunday night on January 27th at 9 Eastern time. Thanks, guys. All right, and we are back. Um, Now we are going to do a mailbag segment. Um, We're going to answer questions that I received um, from my followers on my fan page, Mets Updates, today, um, well, yesterday. And um, we're going to um, shout them out, and we're going to get their question, and we are going to answer them respectively. Um, Our producer, Benson, is going to come on and – Give us the questions, and we will answer these questions. All right, first question is from Joshua. What are the chances of the Mets re-signing Jerry Blevins? Uh, I'll, I'll take Jake. this one first. Yeah. Uh, I'm honestly a huge fan of Jerry Blevins. I mean, I know he had a little bit of a less excessive year last year, but I think he's a really good option. I think there's some guys that are better options, but – I, I feel like the chances of a reunion aren't are, aren't very slim, be, just because we've seen them before, and the Mets like to go back to guys that they've seen before. So, I don't think it's very slim that we um, get him back. But I don't. I think there's better options on the market that we could probably pay a similar price for. Hey, there's nothing the Mets will have more than pitchers or players who have played with this team and are willing to come back on a bargain deal um, because they've been with this team before. And I think that's what Jerry Blevins will probably uh, provide. He'll probably get a major league deal um, of uh, like a million dollars or something like that, maybe a little bit more than that. And maybe the Mets would be um, willing to take that on, of course, because it's not a lot of money. And that would help the bullpen a bit. He did struggle last year, but he still gets lefties out. Um, I wouldn't be completely against it any, um, nonetheless. All right, uh, next question. Mike wants to know, how much longer can we expect the Wilpons to hold ownership over the Mets? Well, um, <laughs> I feel like it's, I'm going to be, you know, Jerry, uh, Jeff Wilpon's going to have some sort of a kid, and they're going to take over for years. But, um Honestly, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they're going away at all at any time. The only way they're going to leave is if things get so bad and if the Mets fans, you know, keep their feet to the fire. We have a lot of power over these guys. They've made moves because of us, like the Cespedes deal, other deals like that. Um, and they they might not have the money to be able to completely corral this team. So I don't know. It all depends in my opinion. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, there's not much for us to say. That's a lot of backdoor stuff and a lot of stuff that we can't, We, I mean, we really can't see, especially as fans. And, I mean, it, essentially it comes down to what the, what the price is that someone is willing to pay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. Uh, let's, All let's we can do is hold their feet to the fire. Um, Benson, next question. Mike asks, who is our strongest competition in the NL East? Um, I'll, I'll start with this one. So, 
Um, that's a little bit of a hard one because I feel like I, I mean I feel like the, the three teams uh, essentially that are, are going to be against us are the Braves, Phillies, and Nationals, and I feel like they're at very similar levels. Um, I, I think most likely our, our biggest rival is going to be last year's um, winners of the division, which which are the Braves. They've only added. Um, they've brought back guys like Marquez on the six million dollar deal, which I will never forget because literally six million dollars. Um, yeah, uh, I feel like the Braves are probably going to be our biggest our biggest downfall, especially with the Josh Donaldson deal. Yeah, six million is a uh, steep price for the um, Wilpons to take on, but um, uh, <laughs> you know. I see this division. I'm scared. I, I'm scared in a way because we've put so much resources. We've put so much. Um, we brought so many players in, and you know all the other teams are building up their team as well. This is a bad time to be trying to contend in this division for um, you know a short period of time, and that's really what the, it comes down to. I mean, how many guys do we have right now that are over the age of 30? It's a pretty veteran team. There are some young pieces here and there. Uh, that'll help us to continue to win. But I don't see us having a long um, period of time in which we'd have this roster to win. So right now, I think the Nationals are the no-doubt best team in this division. I think they've added a lot to their team, and I think they've got a very good core of players, especially with Soto. And who knows, what if they bring back Bryce Harper, which is still a possibility. The Phillies are a, a question right now because we're just like, are they going to add this talent? Are they going to bring in Machado? Are they going to bring in Keiko? Uh, um, are they going to bring in Kimbrell? If they do that, then it's a whole different story. Right now, crazy concerned about them currently, but we'll see if when they add more pieces. And the Braves are a big issue too. There are There is a chance we could end up being the third or fourth in this division at the end of the year. There's a chance. There's also a chance we could be first or second. It all depends on how this um, roster does with all the versatility, if everyone stays on the field, all these question marks that Brody Van Wagen and said we would answer. You know, there's still a couple question marks here and there. Um, so I don't know. It's it's pretty iffy, but I'm worried about the Nationals and Braves the most right now. Yeah, all right. Uh, next question. All right, this question is from Joseph. What are the chances of the Mets landing Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? I'll take this first. Zippo <laughs> and Zippo. Jake, you're um, <laughs> I read something that said John Heyman said 2% chance on... <laughs> he said it's... Uh, uh, pretty sure he said it on, on the fan. He said 2% chance yeah, on Harper. So I'm waiting for that. Very excited. Two out of 100 shots. You can't miss. Yeah, I don't think it's really going to happen. <laughs> All right, yeah, so let's go to the uh, next question. Jack wants to know, what type of year do you project Peter Alonso will have in 2019? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take this first. So I'm actually getting into some of my fantasy baseball leagues already. Yeah, I know I'm mentally insane, but projected. First, First of all, he's 220 uh, player ranked, which is pretty crazy because he's never even played. There are guys who have played baseball for 
three or four years already that are ranked below him. So uh, I just have to say that that's a, that's a good sign. I mean, at least ESPN, who has been iffy with their projections, but, I mean, it's still a cool accomplishment, um, something that I was excited to see. Um, and they even had him, I'm pretty sure they gave him, like, close to, like, 20 home runs, which is really exciting to see. Um, but it, it all depends on how ready he is and how his spring training goes and how he how he he does after those two weeks spending in the minors. Hmm. Um, I actually have a stat line in mind that I think he's going to reach. Crazy when I say this, I have a lot of um, I have a lot of trust in Peter, especially his uh, um, his power. I think he'll be a a blow average defensive first baseman, you know, but I think he'll make up for it with the bat. Um, I think he's going to have a high on um, base percentage. Not sure exactly where, probably mid 30, uh, 300s. Um, average, I'm going to say about 245, 250 around there. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with this. It's a little crazy. 20, I'm going to say 25 to 32 home runs around that area. I think he's going to hit, and I think he's going to hit about 70, 80 RBIs. That's what I think is going to happen. There's chances it won't, and big chances he might not hit that power plateau. But what I've seen from him with, in regards to power, he's got it, and he can drive and run. He did it all last year, and I think he could do it at the major league level. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I, just before we go to the next question, I saw something the other day that I thought was a little bit interesting, but I'm too much of a Peter Alonzo fan to to even entertain it. What if we just trade off Peter Alonzo with the high value that he has now and put McNeil at first and trade him for whatever big value he has to get a to get an outfielder? Yeah, so we don't have to sign a free agent. Um, of course, that would come into the uh, you know yeah. come into the situation. Um, they would probably, you know, we keep trading these really good prospects and it's going to really bite us in the butt, I think, at one point, um, because one of these guys is going to blossom into a star like Bryce Harper. I think one of these days that we trade him, it's done, it's happened before with the Mets. It happens all the time. So that's why I'm so, you know, wary, but whatever we do, it always seems like we do the wrong thing, but I never want to do something just because we don't want to spend more money. I felt like we did that with the Mariners deal, although we got a very good closer with that. I felt like other closers on the market that we could have paid for. And, you know, we decided to trade Jared Kellenick, who I saw that workout video for the other day. I was, like, bawling. I was crying. I couldn't take it. He was, he was jacked. I want to be that big. I'm working out every day. I look like a, I look like a, a marshmallow compared to that guy. Oh, my God. And he's going yeah, to be like I, a star for the Mariners. I just know it. But, uh, you know, yeah, that's I, my take on I it. Saw that. Yeah, I mean, I saw that video. I just wanted to make a comment about that video. I mean, once you were done talking, I was going to say something. But Jesus Christ, that guy in the draft, he looked like toothpicks glued together. And now he's like, he's like, looks like he's roided out. I mean, he's huge. He's Absolutely. Like, um, huge. I need whoever's training him because I could use that in my life. Um. Uh, did did we? Yeah, let's go to the next question. Yeah, Edgar asks, uh, "Will Brody add additional pieces to the rotation and bullpen?" 
Oh, I'll um, take this first. Um, if he does, yeah. it'll be depth, of course. It'll be very cheap. Probably get a minor league contract. Um, nothing more than that uh, because uh, we don't want to go uh, paying more people uh, money. Don't want to do that. So he, here's what I think. I think options that might be possible, a guy like Ryan Madsen or Sergio Romo, maybe out of the bullpen. I know they're close. They're getting a lot of uh, attention now because of the relief market stag- not stagnating. It's um, um, it's getting a lot of attention, a lot of pieces coming off the train. Um, so we could do that. There's also Greg Holland still on the market. Like, geez, give that guy a shot. I mean, he didn't even – he struggled last year because of the spring training situation, getting signed so late in spring training, I think, in my opinion. So let's sign him now. Give him that seventh inning. I think he'll flourish. If not, we go to – we have other people in the bullpen that can do it. Um, and finally, um, with starting rotation, maybe like a Gio Gonzalez type, something like that, a Vatican. Yeah, and I totally agree with all the guys that you said. So I'll just take a little bit of a different – look at this. Um, we were in on Martin Perez, which, uh, I mean, I think would have been actually a really interesting signing. And actually, in my opinion, it would have been a pretty decent signing uh, just because of the, I mean, you're paying for the role that he's going to fill and he's most likely going to fill it. I mean, he's not going to overperform. He's not going to most likely underperform. But the the point is, is that the Mets are in on these guys. And I mean, one thing we don't have to worry about and we can't complain about anymore is the depth. I mean, for sure there was has been a few years where the depth was insane. I mean, there was a few games in yeah. 2015 or 2016 where Kevin Puecki was the only bench bat. So it was like, I mean, uh, at least we can say that if someone goes down, we have Jed. If someone goes down, we have TJ. If someone goes down, we have a plethora of veterans in, in AAA, which is in Syracuse now. So, I mean, depth is, I got to say, you got to give them an A-plus for that. So, it's not like they aren't in them on these guys. Um, ben, so let's go to the next question. Right, this is going to be the last question. It's from Matt. What are some realistic goals for the Mets in the 2019 season? All right, I'll take this quickly first. Uh, we've got like a minute left, so I'll do it quick. Realistic goals, um, I'd say win the wild card, um, stay competitive in the division, um, you know, uh, individual goals, uh, Syndergaard stay on the field, DeGrom keep doing what he does, uh, you know, bullpen, uh, I, I want some of those younger guys in the bullpen to have breakout seasons like Bruce Smith and stuff that would help a lot because we all know that the after Familia Diaz and that bullpen, we have a bunch of uh, unknowns. But that's really uh, it. Cano, stay on the field. Don't get don't get caught with roids. You know all that stuff. Um, but uh, you know, I think it'll be a decent year. Um, I just hope us and that fans aren't on the couch uh, watching the playoffs again um, without having our favorite. Keep mine short, and then we'll end it. Uh, win the East. Yeah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, Jake, thank you again. Thanks, um, everybody, for joining us. Um, Glad to have everybody on tonight. I thought it was a very good show. Um, And we'll see you all next week, Thursday, 7 p.m. Amazing Mets will be back. Good night.
Amazing Mets is produced by Benson Fester. Amazing Mets is a baseball podcast network production. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, John at Mets Updates, and Jake at the first 162. For more Amazing Mets coverage, be sure to visit our website at www.baseballpodcastnet.com. And be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all their social media platforms. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to Amazing Mets. We'll see you next time.